Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, The Mummy, Stephen Summers' much-loved 1999 film. It is a remake of the 1932 film of the same name, starring Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weisz, John Hanna, Kevin J. O'Connor and Arnold Vosselu in the title role as the reanimated mummy. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, um, adventure movies. I've always had a thing for adventure movies. I've always loved them. I think probably Indiana Jones was the first one I ever watched. But in the 90s, they seem to have cottoned on to the formula to do it correctly. I don't think we've really had them done right since, uh, except for the sequel to The Mummy. Uh, but, you know, we had, I think we've talked about, we've talked about doing this on the podcast so many times. It's come we're up. We're doing Mark yeah. Doro. That's right. Uh, anything. Um, anything Ranger, cool. anything period-based. Yeah, anything pulpy. This is always like, oh, we should we should do the mummy. The mummy would be a great a great podcast. But you know and what? Here though? we are. Well, yes, here we are. But I mean, we we've never really talked about the mummy, but I think we know that we love it. <laughs> we both love yeah. the mummy, and we, we have wanted to talk about it. But I mean, the name of the podcast is Sounds Like Comics, and typically when we review something, it has at one time been a comic book whether it started that way or there's been a comic later on but the mummy no comics there is an animated series that they made i think after the second movie which i do yeah. remember watching but not until doing prep for this did i find out that of course they didn't get brendan fraser for the animated series and just to change up the likeness of it as well rick o'connell is blonde in that show, but doing the voice is John Schneider, Jonathan Kent from Smallville. Yeah, really, really surprised me. If you can't get Brendan Fraser, John Schneider is your guy. That's who they went to for the animated series. But but again, so technically not a comic book. Sounds like comics though. So we'll we'll do yeah. it. We'll, we'll do, do it anyway. I'm sure. We've had things in in comics inspired by this film, and if not this film, the original from of which it is a modernization remake. Uh, which is it Boris Karloff who played the original Mummy back in the back in the day? I believe so. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, which I was come about from the actual expedition uh, when they found Tutankhamun's two i believe uh where it, uh all oh, the curse of the mummy because members of that expedition after they found the tomb started dying mysteriously ah it was coincidental as far as anyone can tell but that's where the whole curse of mummies thing started and that's how we got this film so surely moon knight uh, in the comics has had some things inspired by this. I don't know how many times I've seen comic book characters fight 
mummies or things that have been. Modified. I mean, yeah, yeah, mummies have. <laughs> mummies have appeared in comics, but you know what, Jay? It is fine. We've previously reviewed Evolution, the Ivan Reitman movie. Also, didn't have any comics, but it did have a tie-in animated series. So maybe that's all you need. If you've not got a comic book, if your movie has a tie-in animated series, it can qualify for Sounds Like Comics. But yes, we've wanted to review this movie for so long. I'm so happy that we're finally doing it. It's always been a favorite of mine. And the timing just seems perfect because the world is waking up to once again to how awesome Brendan Fraser actually is. He's having a bit of a moment. He's getting recognized for his recent performance in The Whale, which I'm really looking forward to watching. And yes, again, Brendan Fraser, he was was everywhere at one point and then kind of nowhere. But he's, he's back and I'm really grateful for him being back. But the timing just seemed perfect for us to finally review The Mummy. Yeah, um, and you know he, we have reviewed some of the stuff he's done recently, like Doom Patrol. That's right. He plays Bean Man. Um, he's. <laughs> we would have reviewed Batgirl, but that's been permanently shelved. Which <laughs> Do you know? Like, I've heard means they yeah. have to actually destroy the prince. Like, oh my god, that movie can't too far. Never yeah, take it too far. That's how you get your your tax back (laughs) i did see him being interviewed and he was sat down with the director of the whale and he was being asked what's your next project and he answered and then they moved on to bread and fraser what will we see you in next and he goes batgirl oh and then just makes a bit of a joke of it (laughs) and he's like inside voice outside voice okay got it we can't talk about that so, yeah, like he was Firefly yeah. in Batgirl, Leslie Grace, Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, Michael Keaton back as Batman. But that's a movie. Anyways, it's a whole other discussion. So we could have seen Brendan Fraser in that. Instead, we're going to get him in The Whale. But this movie, though, development took years with multiple screenplays and directors attached in 97 Stephen Summers successfully pitched his version of a more adventurous and romantic take on the source material. It was released theatrically May 7th, 1999. Despite mixed reviews from critics, it was a commercial success and grossed over 416.4 million worldwide against a production budget of 80 million. The film's success spawned two direct sequels. The Mummy Returns in 2001 and The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor in 2008. It also led to spin offs such as the animated series we talked about and the prequel. Scorpion King. Yes, Scorpion King in 2002, starring The Rock, I believe. Was that his first film? His appearance as the Scorpion King in Mummy the Returns. Mummy... Returns was, I think, his first film. Yeah, same. Uh, but then he did, I think he did Walking Tall. That's a good uh, film. Before the Scorpion King film itself. Right. No, I meant, um, yeah, I meant Mummy Returns. I think that being his first film. But I yeah, so. Pretty sure he still had, he, 
he was still the rock full-time wrestler that's it still um, doing the eyebrow yeah the uh the scream he makes in that movie was performed by uh heavy metal vocalist max cavalera of oh, really? uh, sepultura yeah. wow because i didn't yeah they thought they needed more power behind it and i'm like well if you want to get someone who roars like yeah max cavalera's probably is at the top of that list yeah, I mean, so many fascinating. Yeah, what a quick turnaround though. So, Mummy Returns, two thousand and one. A year later, we got the Scorpion King. That in itself yep. generated its own sequels. I think there's five Scorpion King films. Dwayne Johnson yeah, only did more. the first one, and then yep. you look at the this sequels. Is why I've only seen the first one. <laughs> Same here. You look at the sequels though. Ron Perlman. Lou Ferrigno, Dave Batista, more wrestlers. <laughs> that seemed to be their go-to. There's a lot of wrestlers in, in those films. Anyway, back to The Mummy. There's been attempts to reboot the property and kickstart a new media franchise, which led to the 2017 film starring Tom Cruise. Remember that whole thing where Universal were looking to launch Dark Universe? And honestly... It took so long for the penny to drop for me. Dark Universal. I didn't realize that's what they were doing. Well played, Universal. So Dark Universe were going to be like its own imprint within Universal. And they already cast, like you see in The Mummy, Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll. Dr. Jekyll. We were going to get Javier Bardem. We were going to get Johnny Depp. Like They'd cast all these universal monsters. They'd even gone to Danny Elfman to write a piece of music for Dark Universe, which opened The Mummy. And I guess essentially what they were looking to do was a horror action blockbuster featuring the universal monsters. Of course, that movie failed. And then... A couple of years later, from Blumhouse, we've got The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss, and it looks like that's now what they're looking to do. Go back and do lower budget, although The Mummy that we're here to talk about, a big budget movie. Yeah. So it can be done. And I saw it opening weekend. Oh, wow. Um, I remember remember my mum, I... uh, she had seen the trailers. She was really looking forward to it. Uh, and we're on our way. I kept telling her the whole way there, just be aware it's not a drama. It's an action comedy. Like, just be with, like, you, you got it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. You, you understand? Like, we're buying our ticket. Remember, it's a comedy. It's an action comedy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. No worries. Get into the seat, sit down. Just again, just remember, action comedy. <laughs> yep. And then we it starts that brilliant opening sequence narrated by uh, Odette Bear, Bear um, which is all the backstory of uh, Imhotep and uh, Anuk Sanamun and all of uh, what the curse will actually be. So brilliantly done. It must have convinced her, like, I was wrong. It wasn't a comedy. It was a <laughs> dramatic, phenomenal opening. Yep. And then it finishes. I turn around. I'm like, what do you think? She's like, that was garbage. It was a comedy. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I, 
like the last, like all of the day explaining to her, like when we go to the movies tonight, just remember it's comedy. But I was like taken away straight away. Uh, the all of it, uh, Jerry Goldsmith uh, doing the music. You oh, know, he's incredible. So uh, uh, a fan of whether it was The Shadow, which we've also done a, an episode on, um, the Star Trek movies, like the the best Star Trek movies, Next Generation, uh, First Contact, and like all of those movies, uh, big movies like Air Force One with ha- uh, Harrison Ford. Like he is a massive name in terms of composers. Oh, absolutely. So there's um there's another movie we've reviewed. They did the score. You, you're forgetting it. It's okay. Supergirl, Helen Slater, 1984. He also composed yeah. that movie. Because apparently he was the first pick for Superman the movie. It didn't happen for whatever reason. Of course, they got John Williams. But Jerry Goldsmith, yes, absolutely incredible. And what he does for this movie, and I guess the tone, and you did try and tell your mum, like the kind of movie that it is. The opening of the film contains nearly all of the major themes for the score. So you get it all up front, and it's so clever. I mean, one, it's heavy-handed, but in a good way, because, again, being very pulpy, and you've referenced Raiders of the Lost Ark already, it's that type of film. So, like, you get the opening, and you hear a couple of the themes, but then they weave in and out of the rest of the film and it just makes it sound familiar. Like it doesn't seem like it's this brand new thing. Like the characters, you get to know them straight away. Like Frasier as Rick O'Connell, like such a great character, but the look of the film, yeah, the, the score. So already like it just, it feels like, I mean, it's been said and there's even books about it. Like the, the year that was 1999 for film. Like, it was such an incredible year, and you definitely, you're going to put The Mummy up there with some of the best from the year. But instantly, yeah, you just, you get sucked into this world. And yeah, Jerry Goldsmith, like, the score really is incredible. Yeah, and um, that whole opening sequence, uh, ILM did the special effects on this film. Uh, they still hold up really well. Even the the decrepit mummy of Imhotep. Uh, I've, I've watched movies that come out this year that whose effects are at, at that level or less. They failed to reach this quality. Um, but yeah. the, the pan of ancient Egypt, those were miniatures. Oh, really? They had, those were physical miniatures that they had uh, motion control rigs go over and then they did uh, separate plates of people walking in, like, in their car park and, like, superimposed them onto the miniatures. That's why it, it's dated so well because they had correct lighting and all that sort of stuff. Ah, right. Um, even at the start when uh, the sand is coming up to hit uh, O'Connell, that was practical. Little charges to uh, and, like, uh, other devices to shoot sand into Brendan Fraser's face. And the what only a guy. visual element <laughs> is the face in the sand. I'm like, ah. Oh. So it's that marrying that they've cottoned back onto of practical effects meeting visual effects. Yeah, um, it really so- it really does hold up. I mean, a lot of what 
ILM were doing, they were blending live action footage with computer generated imagery. So it was never like one or the other. And it just, again, it's kind of like using modern technology, but still leaning towards practical. Yeah, it looks so good. You know, the scene with Evelyn in the beginning, the library mm. disaster. Yeah, yeah. That was all practical and it was done in one take. And if they had to reshoot it, if there was any kind of mistake, it would have taken an entire day to redo it. But that they really oh, yeah. did that. It it's incredible. It's like they dominoes, but with bookcases. Yeah, it's so well done. Like oh, brilliantly oh, well done. Yeah, um, yeah. The perform. Uh, speaking of Evelyn, um, Rachel Wise. This oh, is the person yes. Evelyn, Mrs. James on herself, the mother of the Black Widow. Like, oh, amazing. Yes. Also, stunning. Every single scene, no matter what she's doing, what she's wearing, like what, uh, what's happening, like. I think in the cinema, I must have fallen in love with her at the time. And re-watching this, I'm just like, oh, man, still so hot. <laughs> yeah, but, she plays it really well. Okay. I mean, there's a little bit of, not quite to the extreme, but Adrian from Rocky. You know how she's more timid to yeah. begin with, and then over the course of the film, she's not quite the, you know, the little mousy librarian anymore because yeah. of her yeah. relationship with... O'Connell, like she comes out of a shell a lot more. But yeah, I think yeah. with you, I, this is probably the first thing I was to see her in. Six years later, we got her in Constantine with Keanu Reeves. Yeah. She was really good in that. But yeah, I've I've not got it in my notes here, but I read something and it's interesting we're talking about what she was wearing. Apparently, it was something that they had to digitally alter because it was too see-through. I think it was put one of the white outfits that she was wearing that it was a, a digital mm. effect to cover up some of what they didn't want to show yeah i've not got it in my notes but I've, I've, i came across it when i was doing prep for this mentioned a brother jonathan played by john hannah i mean he's great he yeah. is so he great is. as a hapless brother yeah um who i'd only seen like a couple of years before in four weddings and a funeral That's so knowing right. he's scottish very broad Scottish accent as well. Like there's no trace of it. Um and you know because she's she's kind of clumsy and bungling at the start as well. I mean the entire opening sequence with like you get her character in that opening sequence like making a mess of the uh of the library. Yep. Um all of it's so well done. Yeah, yeah. he's a bit of an alcoholic, a bit of a shy star like uh, the whole movie starts because he stole something from O'Connell. Uh, the key that has the map to uh, Hamunatra in it. That's I right. check my notes to get the pronunciation correct. <laughs> you mentioned weddings there. So that was 94. So that was five years. So that would have been, I don't know what he did in between that and this, but that would have been the big film. I think he did a bit of TV work, but that would have been the big thing he did. Before yeah. we get to Brendan Fraser, and I know we've talked about him a bit already. Director Stephen Summers, we've reviewed one of his films already on the podcast, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, that he did yeah. 10 years after this film. 
So he is best known for big budget action films, of course, The Mummy in 99. He came back for The Mummy Returns. I don't know who did the third one, but it wasn't Summers. In 04... No, I think he consulted on it as a writer, but not ah, okay. as anything more. In 04, he did Van Helsing. Yeah. Yeah, with Hugh Jackman. Yeah, and, and you know, he's a Hugh Jackman. Yep. It, on paper, it works. And I remember watching that at the cinema, and you know, they advertised it from the director of The Mummy, X-Men's Wolverine, and you're like, wow. Yeah. I've not, do you know what? It's been so long since I've watched Van Helsing and I'm in no hurry to watch it again. And I, it wasn't great at the time. And I think it would not have aged well. No, I mean, the special effects alone would have aged poorly. The, the, it was almost like a trying to recapture this because Van Helsing is a classic universal character. I mean, he's from the original Dracula novel from, from memory. Yeah. Uh, but the you'd think, given how well he adapted this, like I said, on paper, it should have worked. And they had moved too far digital, I think, by the time. That's probably, yeah, that's probably what is relying too much on CGI from the Bindortis. He'll yeah. always have the mummy, though. Actually, he directed the cult classic horror film Deep Rising in 98. So that's what he did before The Mummy. Yeah. So there you go. He's yeah. done some other good things. Brendan Fraser, Rick O'Connell. He was cast due to the success of George of the Jungle in 97. Summers also commented that he felt Frazier fit the Errol Flynn swashbuckling character he had envisioned perfectly the actor understood that his character doesn't take himself too seriously otherwise the audience can't go on that journey with him yeah i i can see those comparisons and you've got someone in brendan frazier who can do the action but he can also mm. do the wink and smile at the camera which he was doing in george of the jungle which was, you know, a kid's yeah. movie still. He was doing it, and he's doing it again here. Yeah, and also, you know, he had done Encino Man. Um, like, he was somewhat of a heartthrob. And if you ask people from our generation, still is a heartthrob. Um, and he's a, he's a big guy in, in great shape. Um, you know, at one point, role, he... God, which one was it? I think... Was it the JJ? One of the Superman films. Brendan Fraser was like, I've heard they got as far as suit fittings. Like he yeah. almost was yeah. Superman. Like it came very close to being Superman, whether it would have been, I reckon, the early noughties. But that project never happened. But you're right. Yeah. Like he was a heartthrob. I mean, George the Jungle. He only wears a loincloth for like the whole movie. Yeah. And then this in 99, what else was he doing? He did the movie Airheads with Adam Sandler and Steve Buscemi. That is a really good film. Yeah. But you mentioned yeah, Encino yeah, Man. Film. 
Yeah, Encino Man. For me, it's California Man. I don't know if that's just a UK thing. Was it Encino Man yeah, in the it, US uh, as well? Yeah, because Encino is a, a a suburb in LA. Ah, well, well, there you go, sir. I was in the Which, UK. We just got it's California yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I never knew. That's why I remember hearing. Yeah, I I don't know. I, years of American TV, I've learned suburbs in California. Well, uh, I've missed it I completely because I just asked you. Yeah, uh, like on Star Trek Lower Decks, the the main ship, the Cerritos, is a California class. Cerritos is a town in California, ah. and all the ships from their class that appear on the show, their names are towns in California. A little bit of trivia for you there. That is a bit of trivia. But, yeah. Did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, uh, did you do Dudley do right as well in around this time? Yes. Like um, it, it would have been after. If Again, after, like yeah. George of the Jungle 97, this in 99. It came back in 01 for returns. Then Dudley do right. And then, yeah, it was. he started doing a few. Oh, do you know what? I was going to say he started doing a few kids' movies, which is correct, but he did the gem. That is Looney Tunes back in action, Joe Dante, which was an yeah. animation live action hybrid. My youngest really likes that movie. We've seen it quite a few times together. In oh. cart around the time. Yeah. Oh, Wait. that's not good, is it? That's not a good film. Anyway, let's go back to the movie that's a good film. Incart, yeah, that's where he was a writer and whatever he wrote became real, like the characters came into the real yeah. world. Mm, yeah. yeah, and then he did Furry Vengeance, and then he, he went did, to play uh, for a while. He did that one, uh, Bedazzled, with Elizabeth Hurley. That's Great right. Remake of yeah, the that's Dudley pretty Moore. good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's got it's got it was good on a films. massive run. It was on a massive run at the time, um, mm. and all of those movies still hold up really well, uh, except maybe in cut. But yeah, yeah, great, yeah, but I don't think that was ever great. I had a good cast, though. Paul yeah. Bettany, he was in that as well. Anyway, let's talk about The Mummy. We've not really talked Imhotep. too much. Yeah, Imhotep. Arnold Vosselu. Now, yeah. first saw him in this. When I see him in anything, I just think of The Mummy. I just, yeah, it always that, takes that. me back to these, oh, it's the guy from The Mummy. Always takes me back, yeah. but he did a great job. Like he's really menacing. We get that great opening, and he's tortured. He lost his love, and what happens to him is horrific. But then, just the visuals, the way that his mouth stretches, fantastic. Yeah, um, he's got a look. I always, I always, I, I still see it to this day, to be honest. But I always thought he looked like a slightly older. Uh, Billy Zane with the shaved head. Ah, uh, yes. Um, but of course, he's uh, got a more European quality to him. Uh, he's he's great. He really is. I mean, with Brendan Fraser bringing everything he is for O'Connell, you needed someone to bring it at an equal amount as the antagonist. And yeah, uh, Arnold Vosloo is. Definitely bringing that. He doesn't have a lot to say, and everything he does is subtitled. 
but man, is he is he bringing it? Like he really he is. is such yeah, and and he really suffered for his art as well. The scene in the beginning where he's mummified, he had to be in bandages for four hours to film the scenes where he's wrapped and put in his tomb. That is a long time to be wrapped in bandages. Yeah, yeah. And that was the thing about this movie as well. Like he instantly visually became iconic because before this film, you think bandages, walking slowly, mm. arms outstretched. That's a mummy. But the scene in the sand, and it was on all the posters of the face and the stretched mouth, instantly became recognizable and iconic for this franchise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's uh, Benny, played by Kevin J. O'Connor, who's the right hand of Imhotep, a uh, piece of crap. Kept screwing, kept screwing him over, and it's like, hi, Benny, hi, Benny, and then at the end, bye, Benny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so good. Yeah, he's a uh, he's little accent, like, boys, oh, did the waterfalls and friends. Oh. He's, he's so great. He's such a – he reminds me of Starscream, who I always uh, liked in, as a kid for Transformers because he, he was the backstabbing uh, piece of crap like working for the main bad guy. And that's what Benny is for me. Like he's he doesn't have the physical presence or that kind of skill, but he's sneaky and you you love to hate him. He kinda like he does eventually get up his his comeuppance, but the whole time you can see he's uncomfortable with what he's doing, but he's so out for his own neck. He will he's willing to go the whole way. Like, oh man, such a well written character. So well done. Yeah, no, he's he's great. You know, I've just realized I have actually got it in my notes. So I think I should I'll I'll do it now. You know what I was talking about Rachel Weiss wearing an outfit? Yeah. The white nightgown Evelyn wore when the ship was attacked became transparent when it got wet. It had to be digitally uh-huh. painted white during post production so the film could keep its PG thirteen rating. So there you go. I knew I'd read it somewhere. It was in my notes. Yeah. I just forgot that that I had added it. Because, yeah, this is a PG-13 movie. And on that, the effects team was told no gore when designing the look of the mummy. They actually did tests for the grossness threshold to see how far they could actually take it. But, again, like, you know, creativity digitally – they didn't necessarily need to show gore, but when you think about it, there's I mean, there is some horrific deaths in here, but you don't get the gore, but you don't need yeah. it. As soon as you, I mean, yeah. they show it a lot, but it doesn't matter, it never gets old, it never doesn't freak me out. The scarabs underneath the flesh, yeah, yeah, you don't need gore. And then as soon as the scarabs get to a certain point, when you get the guy that runs into the stone column because he's got the scarab in the head, and you and it's like and the camera just cuts away whenever you're about to get something that you would expect to be gory. But again, that digital yeah. effect of the scarab underneath the flesh, awful. And Benny gets it bad. Yeah, yeah, he does, and it's deserved. But yeah, and every time uh the mummy is gonna um 
drain someone, you will get the shadow, a shadow on the wall, something like that, and you'll you'll cut away and you hear the scream, and then when they cut back, it's the prop corpse already drained. You're like, it's smart because it lets the mind do the work for it, so they didn't actually show it. It wasn't That's as bad it. as you think, but yeah. Yeah, sometimes what you think up is worse than what they could actually show you. So, so definitely sometimes yeah. is less is more. And it works for them to get the PG-13 rating. I mean, Raiders, the, in the UK, was a PG. Here in Australia, it's an M. I mean, that's got melting faces. <laughs> that's a lot yeah. more horrific than what we get in in this movie. But I have seen this film so many times, and it just holds up like i watched all three last year i watched the first one again for this as soon as we're done here i'm going to watch the mummy returns i'm going to go on and watch the third one which isn't as good as the first two but still you know it's a good film and it's got jet lee it's got its own no he's in it oh yes that's right but john hannah's back isn't it yeah is she not in it? It's been oh right. Absolutely. One of them got re- need to do. I'm pretty sure. Uh, oh, I think you're right. Yeah, the third yeah, one. I've never actually watched it for that reason. For that reason, I'm like, no, nah, you've, you've broken up the power couple. I can't. Ah, yes. Oh no, it's Maria Bello. Nothing against the actress, but yes, I wonder. But you know what? Maybe we'll review it one day, and we'll find out then. We'll find out what happened, yeah. if anything, behind the scenes, which led to her not coming back. But that is that is a shame. But this movie, though, The Mummy, if you're going to rate it out of five. I'm going to come in nostalgia-wise, and every time I watch it, enjoyment, it's an easy five for me. But on terms of being a little bit more like what I'd recommend, I'm like, I'd give it a solid four and a point five. I don't think it's quite a natural five because some of the stuff for a modern audience may have aged somewhat. Um but I think it holds up really well, especially given the era it was filmed in the practice mostly practical effects. The uh you, you really buy the attraction that's built up for, for Eve and O'Connell over the course of the movie. Um the fact that it's a period piece and the costumes and all of that, it works so well. Um, the story's uh, well-structured, easy to follow. It's, yeah, four out of five for me. How about yourself? Sometimes I just go with my heart, over my head. And I'm going to come in at a, at a five. And, yep, nostalgia is getting me there. But it, I find it funny that you're not going to go over five and, and you've explained why. And you're going to shave off 0.5. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, you might as well have just stuck with the five, to be honest. But that's okay. Yeah, yeah I, I love this film. I absolutely Same. love it, and I will never get tired of it. So for me, it is a it's a five out of five, and I'm very much looking forward to watching two. Worried about three because, as you said. It, I mean, I obviously knew that she didn't come back for that third one because I've seen it 
handful of times. I've not seen it as many times as the first two, but I'm looking forward to going back and, and watching those. And absolutely, we will be doing it on the podcast knowing you've not seen the third one, which means yeah. we'll do returns first. So that'll be terrible <laughs> fun. Yeah. Well, that's it for our episode all about The Mummy. If you would like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.